original coin. It's You honor me with your presence. Grizzly D. Pokemon is so tiny, it hurts so much. Rat Pigler. Usually stronger than the average, and has a friendly attitude. It's a throwback. We will not back down. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Throwback. Chris Meany, Brad Ziegler, Jake Seeley's still away. It's all right. We'll, uh, we'll catch up with him next week. Brad, he must be living it up in Vegas. Jake in Vegas? Oh, my goodness. Look out. Yeah, that's dangerous. So we, we, we think he'll be back on Monday. We do think he'll be back on Monday. Uh, myself, at Chris Meany, Brad, at Brad Ziegler. Lots going on here today. It is championship week, of course. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and Titans. We're going to talk about the 49ers and the Packers. We're going to talk a little bit of, of dynasty football. we got a few dynasty targets to uh, target, I guess, in your dynasty leagues. And, Brad, you were just talking off air. I thought it was hilarious. I wanted you to share. Um, you know, yesterday you're making how many trade offers? I made seven seven trade offers in a league. Seven? So. Yeah, people aren't sick of it's, you. By it never now. it never stops for me. They're they're all probably like haven't even looked at the website since the season ended, and and I'm like, hey, like, wake up! Like I just sent you an offer. Yeah, let's go. Football never stops. We'll talk about never uh, stops. No, it, it doesn't. We'll talk about the national championship game. We'll talk a little Joe Burrow here in a little bit, but just want to give a shout out to Rates and Barrels. This is a show with Eno Saris and Derek Van Riper over at the Athletic, a twice a week podcast. If you don't have a subscription at the Athletic, you can get one by checking out theathletic.com slash the throwback will get you 40% off. So Rates and Barrels, we just saw Josh Donaldson sign a contract with Minnesota. So those guys are going to dive deep into that for sure. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that national championship game. Uh, for one, it went super long and late. <laughs> it was entertaining. But Joe Burrow, man, he did it again. Uh, for me, I thought it was really encouraging just to see him struggle at the start. You know, the, the field position wasn't in favor of LSU. And, you know, he wasn't as accurate as we'd seen him earlier on. There was a couple drops. It kind of reminded me a little bit of KC, right? It didn't, it didn't start great. But... To me, it was just really encouraging how he responded and just another performance from him. And, you know, Cincinnati Bengals are getting a stud there at one. Yeah, I I mean, I, I told my dad the same thing. I said it, it was a lot like the Chiefs game, except there weren't these crazy plays that, that changed the momentum. It was just, you know, a good, well-sustained drive and solid defense. And it wasn't like, you know, oh, there here's a block punt and a muff punt on one side, and then there's a – you know, a, a fumble on a kickoff return and, you know, a fake punt that they stopped. Like there, it wasn't like this crazy stuff. It was just really good, solid football. And yeah, LSU was, was definitely, um, definitely the better team, but it, uh, you know, it was frustrating for me. I'm a Clemson fan. And so it was frustrating for me to see the team come out and play really well at the beginning and then completely change what they were doing after LSU started, you know, got back in front of them. They stopped using ETN as much and he was running all over them early. And um, that said, Joe Burrow was tremendous. And I think he's going to be a tremendous NFL quarterback. Someone, I was on a podcast last night and they mentioned, what about this possibility of now that, um, oh, you're going to have to help me out. The, the guy who just left um, LSU to go to the, the Panthers for the, the OC job. Joe Brady, I think. Yes. Um, so Brady was the passing game coordinator at LSU. What if they offered Cam Newton and two first round picks to the Bengals? Do you think the Bengals would do that at, to, to trade that, um, that first overall pick? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, I, I don't think so. I, I feel like 
the fact that, you know, Burrow is an, he's an Ohio kid. I, I feel like they're just all in. And maybe it's just, there's another podcast I produce at the athletic called Hear That Podcast Growling with Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morris. And it's obviously it has directed all around the Cincinnati Bengals. They've just been talking about Joe Burrow for, for weeks and weeks and weeks now. <laughs> and, and how much that the organization wants him, how much they like him, the fact that he's an Ohio kid, the fact that they just want, you know, a number one, you know, quarterback and a future guy and, that is interesting, that trade proposal, because they were talking about the asking price and what would the asking price be to, to get yeah. out of that, that first pick. And I don't know. Would you do that? I'm not crazy. About I, that. I, I would, I mean, I would have to think about it. I mean, you got to think that the, the picks are going to probably be in the middle of the round, if not a touch to the later, but to get two first plus Cam Newton. And this is, you know, we're assuming a healthy Cam Newton. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, he's obviously more expensive than Joe Burrow would be for, for a while, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It would be, it would be intriguing at least because it gives you a chance to, to win right now, but also have a guy for the next four or five years potentially, but also really stock your team up, um, you know, with a couple other first round picks. And I don't know. It, I would at least be intrigued by it enough to, to, to dig deeper if I was the Bengals. I think that the Bengals would be happy if Joe Burrow was, had a career like Cam Newton, right? I mean, at least for yeah, the that's fair. years. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think so. Uh, I, I don't know about the future. I'm not, I'm not really sold on Cam, but you're right. It has to be completely healthy. If there was no health question marks around him, I think that's something that the Bengals would definitely, um, entertain. What do you sure. make of Burrow with like, if AJ Green comes back and they figure out that situation and Tyler Boyd, I mean, he could have a decent rookie season. Got some weapons around him. Joe Mixon solid. The offensive line is not as bad as people think. Yeah. No, they, and that's, that's the thing too. Mixon played, he was a, a top five running back in the second half of the season. He was playing great in, down the stretch with basically no quarterback help. And I think, I think there's a really good chance that, that he is able to have a pretty good season. He looks really polished and he can move. He can scramble. He can, you know, I wouldn't call him a running quarterback by any means, but he, he reminds me a little bit of Mahomes in the sense that I don't look at Mahomes as a running quarterback, but he can get you 30 or 40 yards on the ground just scrambling away from pressure sometimes. Burrow can do that. I mean, he can, he moves well, um, but he throws such a great deep ball. And that's, I, I think, um, I, yeah, I think if AJ Green's healthy, that to me is going to be a big key, but if AJ Green's healthy, and he's got weapons on the outside. I I absolutely think not, and not only those two, but John Ross also. Um, I think could could become a a pretty viable fantasy offense, and and I definitely somebody I would want in the you know in like a super flex league. Um, you know, as a second quarterback, I think he'd be a, a huge upside guy. Yeah, I would agree with that. Since you're a Clemson guy, ETN, what do you make of him? Um, you know, next year obviously it depends where he's going to be, but uh, you know, what's your what's your outlook for his career? I, I like him. I, I think he's, um, I don't, I don't know that he's like a, ever going to be like a, a top five or, or top eight fantasy running back, but I can see him being like a low end RB one. Um, maybe, maybe a high end RB two. And again, that, that a lot, um, a lot will depend on the situation there. If, if, if like, you know, he's a guy that I would love to see the Chiefs draft in like the third round. If he, you know, I don't know if he'll make it that far. I don't know. There's a lot of running backs in this class and, and I think the combine will probably help shake out the order a little bit. But if the Chiefs grabbed a, a guy like him in the third round or, or JK Dobbins, um, or a, you know, even like, um, a, a Cam Akers, um, then all of a sudden I think it elevates them because you put a guy into a great offense where the running back is, is a pass catcher, you know, expected to be a pass catcher in that offense. It, it can elevate their, their ceiling quite a bit at that point. 
All right, so there's a little bit of news and notes uh, off the top of the show, and you had told me this before we started. It was a little bit surprising to hear from me, actually. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, he's going to re-up. He's going to return for the uh, 17th season with the Arizona Cardinals. I thought he was done, man. I, you know, last year I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was, was refreshing for him. Obviously it had to have been Brad refreshing. You bring in Kingsbury and you got the rookie quarterback and Kyler Murray. You know, you just wanted to play the one more season. That's what we heard from him last year. One more season with these guys and we'll, we'll see what we could make. And you know, he has a, a decent year. He's 75 grabs, 80. 804 yards and you know it was better than the year before with Josh Rosen as his quarterback under center so um another year what do you make of that I mean he's not a guy that we care too much about when we're going to talk about dynasty leagues obviously we don't care about him and and redraft leagues we're not super excited but he still is a nice piece for this offense yeah I mean I I thought it was a fantastic year considering the dude's 36 years old so it's it's you know he he's he's a different breed guys aren't you know aren't built like him where they're just continuously successful into their mid-30s that's that's really rare. But the fact that he came out and said that was one of the most fun seasons he'd ever had. And this is a guy who's been in the playoffs, you know, in multiple years. He played with Kurt Warner there when the Cardinals were, you know, a, an elite team. And to say that this year when they had a losing record was still one of the most fun seasons he's had and it's enough to make him want to come back and play again, that says a lot to me about Cliff Kingsbury. And it says a lot to me about Kyler Murray, probably Christian Kirk as well. And I, I think they're – I think Andy Isabella will take a step forward this year, and I think they go and get somebody else. This is an unbelievable receiver class com- coming out this year. They grab a guy, you know, in the in the second or third round, um, kind of like a Debo Samuel type guy, maybe like Jalen Rager out of TCU, and and it is a huge fit to put Fitz at the slot and have other weapons on the outside. And he could produce the exact same season he had this year, which is not a great fantasy season unless you're in a deep league and he's your fourth receiver or something. But at the same time, he will, will draw coverage. He will, and he will make guys better. They'll get to learn from him in practice and training camp. Um, he will make Kyler Murray better. And I, I love it. I like, he's a great leader. The, the team loves him. And the fact that he wants to keep playing and, and wants to be there uh, speaks volumes about that organization for me right now. Yeah. I think it's a huge win for Arizona, the entire organization. I think it's a win for Kyler Murray. I think it's a win for everybody. You mentioned Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, anybody that they bring in. I think you're right. They're probably drafting another wide receiver, but any just young pieces around that can just learn and soak up any information that they can from, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald and what he's been able to do in the career. So I think it's, it's phenomenal. So Larry Fitzgerald is back and Unfortunately, the game loses Luke Keekley, who announced his retirement yesterday at the age of 28. I think, Brad, you know, you're a former athlete. You know, I think, you know, this is kind of the path maybe we will probably start to see a little bit more of this. Guys, you know, retiring at an early age, under 30. I mean, Keekley's dealt with so many concussions. One of the game's best over the last few years. I mean, a tackle machine. I don't know if you play in any IDP leagues, Brad, but I play in a few myself. I mean, he always went a little early. I was fortunate enough to get him in, you know, in a couple over the years, a couple leagues. You know, multiple, multiple games, at least double-digit tackles. Uh, just a stud, phenomenal. You know, there was a story that Tony Romo shared in one of the broadcasts, and I think he was, you know, Carolina was playing. I believe it was last year, maybe the year before, and he was just talking about how at the at the line of scrimmage he was he was changing a play, and he and he looked at Luke Keekley after he changed the play, and he said, "Oh shit." <laughs> Keekley <laughs> knows exactly what I'm doing right now. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he, he just knows before I know what I want to do and what I'm going to tell uh, my teammates at the line. But, you know, what do you make of the earlier retirement? Do you think that this is, you know, we're going to see a little bit more of this in the NFL with all these concussions lately? 
I, I think it's possible. You know, and Keekley has a little concussion history, but nothing nothing real recent from that respect. But I think most people just have no idea what these guys are actually dealing with on a daily basis and and you know, taking Toradol shots or whatever just to get on the field. Like at some point that's it takes a cumulative toll on you and um there I, I think there 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 is just a lot to be said for guys there the education um that's out there now about injuries and what it does to your body long term is just way better now and guys aren't aren't necessarily willing to say I'm willing to basically sacrifice my quality of life for more years in the NFL they realize like that I, I've got to do some, you know, some quality thinking here. And you could tell, like just watching him read that, that message, it was tough for him. It was tough for him to even say it after he'd, you know, written it and read it. And he doesn't even have an audience there. He's just sitting there with a camera and it's tough for him to, to get those words out of his mouth. Um, he's, he's, you know, I, I am, in my opinion, I know the, the longevity is not necessarily there, but in the NFL, I think this is going to be more common. I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer and, and it was, you know, he he was so fun to watch. And I I said it on Twitter last night. I hate to see him go, but I respect the decision uh, of going out on his terms because he's got, you know, there's a lot more uh, more things to life than football. And I think he's, you know, matured enough to come to that realization that I I can't keep doing this to my body, uh, or I'm not going to have much of a life, at, you know, after this game. Yeah, there's a game that I remember back, and I think it was against the Saints, 2014, 24 tackles. In, yeah, in it's, like that is just unheard of. Yeah, he was all over the place. And you, you were mentioning like that, that, that reminded me, uh, the story you were sharing about where he knew exactly what was going on, um, when the quarterback was audible. And that happened in the Chiefs, the Chiefs Texans game on Sunday. Deshaun Watson audible to something and then Teron Matthew moved somewhere else and Watson called timeout and he went right, right to Matthew after he called timeout. And he <laughs> would, you could see him like talking with each other and he was pointing at him and he's like, Kind of like you knew what I was gonna do. I had to call timeout. We got to get into something else. <laughs> I love and that. I love just seeing laugh. that. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was like it was like uh, yeah, you're go ahead and try that. So <laughs> and the respect factor that they had between each other too, right? You know, the fact that Watson would go over to go over to Matthew and tell him and you know have a little bit of a joke like that is is certainly entertaining in my standpoint. Okay, let's get into championship weekend. People who are listening is like enough already. Come on, let's go. I want to hear it. Chiefs and Titans. It's a rematch. We're seeing two rematches here this weekend. Tennessee beat Kansas City earlier in the season, 35-32. Uh, it was, of course, a big Derrick Henry game. 23 carries, 188 yards. He had two rushing touchdowns. Damian Williams had a pretty good game himself, 19 for 77. Uh, Mahomes, three touchdown passes. Ryan Tannehill, a couple touchdown passes. And then Green Bay and um, the 49ers. That was a blow. That one was really not even close uh, of a game. I expect that one to be a little bit closer. But let's stick with your Chiefs and, ten- and the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, it's all about Derrick Henry and trying to find a way to stop him. Um, how are the Chiefs going to win this game. I know they're favored by seven and a half, Brad, but what do they have to do to win this game? Yeah, they do what they can to take Derrick Henry out of the game and say, we're going to make Tannehill beat us. And and whether that's, you know, potentially a big game for A.J. Brown or Corey Davis, like Corey Davis doesn't really scare me. And um, John New Smith doesn't really scare me. I mean, he not that he can't make a few catches, but I don't see him going like for 120 and two touchdowns. So at that point, I think you, you put eight in the box, you put your best corner on, on AJ Brown, you put a safety over the top and just, just don't, you know, basically don't let them beat you deep and then take away the run. And I, I think, and, and 
granted, that's easier said than done. And it'll, it'll help a lot if Chris Jones is able to play because he stuffs the middle, uh, you know, extremely well. He's a huge run stopper for him. But they, they have other guys in there. Like Carlos Hyde didn't do anything against him on Sunday. And, and that was a guy who had rain all over him earlier in the season too. So their, their defense is just playing better right now. And I, I think that the other thing about that game in Tennessee and this, this, I think sometimes kind of goes, everybody talks about Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill made the throw at the end. The Titans don't even really have a chance to win that game if the Chiefs don't botch a field goal attempt, a really right. short field I, goal I attempt right at the end of the game. Yep. And they mishandled the snap and then they, um, Colquitt got called for a intentional grounding because he just chucked the ball out of bounds and it gave the Titans the ball at the 40 yard line with about a minute left. That field goal would have put the Chiefs up eight and they would have had, the Titans would have had to go the whole length of the field. Um, plus get a two point conversion and they didn't end up having to do that. And so I, I think just in general, um, one thing that Brian Baldinger, I was looking at his Twitter account yesterday. He showed some highlights of this game where Mahomes was throwing the ball deep all day and it, they weren't all completions and there were even a couple drops mixed in, but it was just bomb after bomb after bomb. And he, he said like, look for them to do this again because this is where the Titans defense is really vulnerable and it could be a huge day for guys like Tyreek Hill, maybe McCole Hardman, maybe even Demarcus Robinson, you know, guys that, that have some speed because it looked like that's how the Chiefs wanted to attack them before. And there were plays that were open that just weren't hit. And, and, you know, it's going to be a really cold day um, in Kansas City. It's going to be like 28 degrees Sunday. That hasn't seemed to stop Mahomes yet. It was cold this last Sunday and he didn't care. So, um, I think the Chiefs offense is going to put up a lot of points this week. That's the thing. Like, the Chiefs are – it's just hard to imagine them not scoring 30. And, you know, when I was watching the Titans and Ravens game, I was just thinking to myself, like, what do the Titans have to get to, <laughs> like, you know, to, to make this a game? And, of course, the Ravens, they stalled on offense. They weren't going to be able to score. But the Chiefs are not going to stall on offense. Like, they're just going to – they have the highest team fly total of the week. They're just going to get to that 30-point total. I really feel confident in that. Uh, and you look at Ryan Tannehill, he's going to have to throw the ball more than 15 times. I mean, 8 for 15 against the Pats, 7 for 14 against Baltimore. So he's, what, he's got 15 completions for 160 yards in two playoff games. I know he hasn't needed to throw, and I understand the completion rate has been off the charts, the best completion rate in, in football since he's taken over, the best passer rating in football since he's taken over. Yards per attempt have been near the top as well. It's been it's been a really good offense. They've, they've played a little bit quicker, higher pace, but I think I think that, <laughs> They're kind of in trouble, man. I really do. I think this is kind of where it all comes down to the, you know, to the end for them. But I think that they could compete and keep it close. But if you're in that one and done pool and I'm in it as well, I mean, I've used up all my Titans. I mean, I can't use any more Titans, but, uh, there's some, there's a few Chiefs available. So are you going to the McCall Hardmans, the Sammy Watkins of the worlds? Uh, not, not in one where like in, you know, Michael Salfino's, uh, league is you start, four receivers every week in the first three weeks of the playoffs. That's one where you got to kind of go a little deeper. Um, I, right now I've got Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, and Devontae Adams in my lineup this week. Um, so I used that and AJ Brown's basically just because I think this is the last t- chance I'll have to use him. He hasn't done anything in the playoffs to this point, but I think they will have to throw to stay in it. I think they're, um, they're going to try to run. They're going to try to control the clock and limit the chiefs offensive possessions. Um, because that's, you know, the teams that have beaten the Chiefs this year, that's typically what they've done, and that's how the Titans beat them earlier this year. That being said, I, I just have a feeling this Chiefs team is different, and they're, it's not going to matter if they don't, if they get a few less possessions, because their defense is going to create some more possessions for them. And not that, 
not that Henry won't do well. I just, I can't imagine anybody having Henry left available in a survivor type pool because I would have thought that number one, you probably used him against the Patriots, but if you didn't, you definitely used him last week I thinking he was going to get, week, yeah, yeah going to get beat. And, and so, but if you have him, I mean, you definitely play him because you don't want to not use him um, when, when he's been the best running back in the playoffs so far. It's hard to imagine him not getting a hundred yards. Let's be honest. I mean, 195, 182, 211, 86, 103, 149, 159, 188. Are you kidding me? Like this guy has hit the century mark in seven of his last eight games. It's, it's really honestly hard to imagine him not doing. You can stack the box all you want against him. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, yeah. And it's, it's the question is, will the game flow allow that? And yeah. I, I mentioned this on Monday. The Chiefs cannot afford to have what happened on Sunday happen again because if they get behind against the Titans, it's going to be the Derrick Henry show again, which is what they've done the first two games. They get a little early lead and then they just pound their guy. If the Chiefs get out to a, you know, a quick 10 nothing, 14 nothing lead early in this game or 14 to three lead, the Titans aren't going to just be able to sit there and run the ball, run the ball, run the ball and feel like they can keep up with the Chiefs. And they're at some point they're going to have to you know, they're going to have to to throw them a little, uh, to to throw the ball a little bit. And so that's why I think it's a decent week to use Tannehill. I'm assuming you probably still have him because I don't yeah, know that you would have had to play him. And and just because I think they're going to be playing from behind and, and the volume is going to be there when it wasn't the first two weeks. Tannehill is basically the only guy that I could use from the Titans. I, I haven't used Corey Davis, and I have no interest uh, in using Corey Davis. I, I don't feel like I even have to use him this week. Yeah, it was Tyree Kill who had the 19 targets, 11 grabs, 157 yards in that game. He was an absolute monster. Uh, I'm I'm going to risk it. I haven't used him yet. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to save him uh, in my one-and-done pool for the Super Bowl. Let's move over to the Packers yeah. and, and the 49ers. This was a blow. It was 37-8 to for San Francisco. Aaron Rodgers really struggled in the game. He was 20 for 33, only had 104 passing yards, one touchdown. He was sacked five times. Jimmy G was 14 for 22 touchdowns, 240, 253 through the air. He didn't really have to do a whole lot because the defense set him up in, in, you know, for, for good spots. They kicked a ton of field goals. They ran the football like they normally do. Most start. Had, didn't have a big game, Brad. He was six for 45, but he found the end zone. He had a touchdown. Tevin Coleman had a touchdown. I didn't touch any of these running backs last week. How do you treat them this weekend in your one and done pool? I know on Monday you said you're, you're buying into most start. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing. So the, the one and done pool with the smaller lineups, I'm playing most this week. I'm playing most and Damian Williams. Um, I think game flow is going to be good for both of them. Um, in, in the, in Salfino's league where we have three running backs this week, I'm playing Mostert and Tevin Coleman. Um, I'm using them both now. I want to make sure I get whichever piece of this, this running game, running back, uh, situation gets the big game. Um, and then if I, you know, if they win, I'll be happy to use Matt Breida in the, in the Super Bowl because I, I will probably make up enough points this week, uh, to, to get to where I need to be anyway. So, um, and if they don't, if they don't win and the Packers win, then I've got Jamal Williams left. So, so I'm okay. We only start one running back in the, okay. in the Super Bowl. So I was so. going to ask you who'd be your other one. I guess it would be Damian Williams, I suppose, if you hadn't used him. Yeah. I'm, and I'm using, I'm using Damian Williams this week also. So okay. if, if basically I'm, I'm trying to use the running backs this week. And if the Chiefs, if the Chiefs and, uh, and 49ers get to the Super Bowl, it's going to be a choice between like Brita and, you know, LaShawn McCoy, maybe. I don't know. Like I might even go Kyle Juszczyk just on the outside chance he gets a one yard touchdown, but it's there. I, I don't really care at that point because I, like I said, I'm going for all my points this week. I'm using Kelsey and Kittle. I'm, I'm using, um, you know, all the, the, I'm using Mahomes and Tannehill in this one. I'm going to take whatever NFC quarterback comes out 
And I'm, I'm just trying to stack up as many points this week as I can. And then just trust that like the, the smaller rosters in the Super Bowl, um, that I'm going to, you know, hopefully be able to just pluck a, a random receiver or two, pluck a running back somewhere that might grab a random touchdown or get a few, you know, receptions. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense uh, to do it that way. It all depends on on who you have available for sure. I haven't touched really any Chiefs, so, I mean, I just assumed that it would be Chiefs and Ravens, and now that, you know, I, I kind of missed out, honestly, on some of the Ravens. Like, I didn't use any of their any of their players either. I just thought, you know, they potentially could get by, and I'd, I'd have to make my decision this weekend, but I will save some Chiefs uh, and go that way. This game does feel like it's going to be – I think it's going to be a lot closer. And it's also a seven and a half point spread for, for San, for San Francisco. Both home teams really favored by, um, at least a touchdown here. 37 8. Do you feel like it'll be a tighter game? It's, it's tough to really dominate a team a second time. You really, you learn, you know, from your mistakes. You learn a little bit, but this really, it, it's not like it happened earlier in the season. I mean, it was week 12. Green Bay was just coming off their bye. They were starting to roll as a team offensively. We were starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm with LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and, um, you know, Obviously, Adams had that big monster game last week, and he had a lot of targets in, in this contest earlier earlier in the year, too. 12 targets, only 7 grabs, 43 yards. Do you think this is going to be a blowout again, or is Green Bay going to be able to keep it close? Uh, I... I think it'll, I could see it being a touchdown game, something like that. I, you know, the, the, basically the implied total, um, you know, with the, with a 45 point over under is, is a 26 to 19 final score. Um, so with, with a seven and a half spread. So I, I could see that being about right, like 24 to 17 is kind of what was in my head. Yeah. Um, not a real high scoring game. I don't think either team's just going to dominate like they did in the, you know, like San Francisco did in the regular season. I think it'll be a closer game. Um, but I could see it being about a touchdown and, Do you get um, Green you know, Bay they're at home. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think Green Bay has a better shot than Tennessee does. Um, and yeah. just, you know, just Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. He looked really good against Seattle. Um, you know, Devontae Adams is basically unguardable. It'll be, that'll be interesting to see, like, the Sherman shatter, shadow Devontae Adams and, and how they try to potentially take him out of the game. Because if you, it, it's basically a two man show for Green Bay's offense. It's Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Yeah. And if you can find a way to take, you know, have, if they have one guy that they feel like can, can at least contain Devontae Adams, you can put everybody else to shut down the running game and you, Geronimo Allison doesn't scare you. MVS doesn't scare you. Um, you know, Jimmy Graham's, you know, he, he was their second best receiver the other day, and it, that tells you a lot about what's going on with their offense right now. Well, that's the thing. Like, I used Adams and Jones last week. There's if if Green Bay goes to the Super Bowl, I'm absolutely screwed. Am I want it done? I just hope that I have enough points to you know by the time the Super Bowl happens because I just don't know what other Packer you sure Jamal Williams. Okay, fine, but if you're gonna pick a second wideout on on the Packers. Geronimo Allison or MVS or, or Jimmy Graham, you're just hoping for two catches, Brad. That's it. You right. And, and I mean, like in reality, I'd probably pick Alan Lazard if he's healthy. If he's, if healthy. he's playing because yeah. he's at least got the big play potential, whereas the other guys are more possession guys. So, um, give me the, give me the guy with the upside. Yeah, and Lazard had, I think he had 15 targets in back-to-back games before last week's dud performance. I know he, he got hurt and he left. So, uh, um, yeah. predictions? Uh, I, I'm going to take the two favorites. That's, um, the two home teams and, um, I, I think, I think Green Bay will, I, like I said, I think it's a seven point game. So I would say Green Bay covers, but, but barely, but I think the Chiefs will cover, uh, the seven and a half and, and win by, it wouldn't surprise me if, if it's a score similar to what happened uh, with the, the Titan or the Texans where they win by about 17 or 20 and, and it's a pretty high scoring game. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say San Fran wins 24 20. We'll go there. So I think Green Bay okay. will cover as well. And I think 
Yeah, I think the Chiefs win by 10. I think it's like a 38-28. It's kind of a weird score, but it's something something around that. I just feel like – I definitely feel like the Chiefs are going to get to 30, and I don't know if the Titans are going to be there. It'll, it'll be a good test for Ryan Tannehill, and, man, what a story. I know it wouldn't be good for you to come in here on Monday. I know you wouldn't be happy. <laughs> but, honestly, on the outside – Looking in, it would be one of the most remarkable, I think, not even just football, sports stories for Tannehill to come in and do what he's done for the Titans to make the playoffs and then the win in New England and then a win in Baltimore and then potentially to win in KC and then go to Miami to play in the Super Bowl where he used to be a Dolphin. Uh, yeah, no, that, it would be a great story. And, <laughs> yeah, and and this is a guy, too, that like basically every win you just feel like is boosting his contract in the offseason oh, of being a free agent. And so he's – there's a – you know, they may end up having to franchise him um, or, or franchise Derrick Henry. He's a free agent also. But I would think one of them is potentially going to get franchised just because that's – they're going to need to find – some way to hang on to both these guys because it's if you take one of these guys away, their offense completely changes. And um, so I, I think they'll find a way to hang on to both. But it just feels like Tannehill maybe, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier, like uh, a few weeks ago, A.J. Brown is basically getting Ryan Tannehill a $100 million contract because yeah. that's that's what it feels like with, with A.J. Brown going off this season and, and Tannehill leading this offense um, and being a productive quarterback. He's just getting there, – there's no way they can let him let him walk at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, we'll wrap up here with a few dynasty little nuggets and maybe some buy lows and some sell highs. You know, since we're talking about Derrick Henry, I don't own Derrick Henry in a in a dynasty league, but now would be the time to sell him if you could afford to. Correct? I, yeah, I mean, if you if you, I think so. And I've got a so I'm I'm in a pretty competitive dynasty league. There's former few major league baseball players in it, and um, I've got a buddy in that league that the that was a teammate in the minor leagues that has Derrick Henry right now, and he his team finished runner up to mine this year. And we were talking yesterday, and he's like, you know, obviously I'm my team is not in a position to go get Derrick Henry, and I don't want to load his team up with picks or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but he said like, you know, what what do you think is fair? And I told him like that there's a team um, owned by Jeremy Hellickson that has three first round picks, but the highest one is one seven. And I said I would ask for all three of them. And if he gives it to you, I would strongly consider taking it because this is a really good draft class to, to kind of reload a little bit, but also potentially be able to get some guys. I think two of the picks are one seven and one eight. Get some guys that um, might be able to help you this year and, and, you know, kind of replace some Henry production because I'm, I'm nervous about Henry in 2020 with this, this workload that he's had. I mean, he's, he's got to be staring at close to 370 carries after this week. And if they happen to get to the Super Bowl, maybe 400 carries on the season, which is just a huge toll on his body. And I know he looks fresh, and after games, it it, it looks like he's not even tired. There's, like, I feel like some of that might just be kind of a tough guy act because they're running him into the ground. And when you have that volume, and especially his running style, he's not a guy who makes guys miss. He makes guys bounce off. Yeah, he yeah, he'll run three, and that's a lot of contact to uh, endure over a season. And it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of breaks down partway through next year. And, and definitely a guy I would look to sell high on, um, you know, if I owned him in dynasty. Aaron Jones the same way. Like this guy had 18 touchdowns in the regular season this year. There's no way he does that again. Like he, that's, I mean, Alvin Kamara did that the year before, and he had six this year. And I could see a very similar situation um, with Aaron Jones. Um, 
you know, being a, a guy that I would want to move, I'd want to try to capitalize on the fact that he finished as high as he did. Not that he can't be a decent running back. I just think he regresses quite a bit to, to a little more closer to the, the, the mean or the average there. And, and, you know, I would try to get what I could for him right now while those statistics are still sitting there on his, you know, most recent stat line. Yeah, I like that. I agree with that as well. I mean, you're looking from just an overall fantasy standpoint, if you're playing in a half point setting, I know you and I play a lot of full point settings. We talk a lot of half point setting here on the show. Jake forces us, even though he's not around, but Aaron Jones, I mean, RB2 on the season, it's going to be, I agree, it's going to be really hard for him. It's going to be nearly impossible for him to duplicate that touchdown performance. I mean, 16 rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns. He had a phenomenal year. I think it's a little easier to sell running backs. Maybe, maybe not to, I guess in your mindset, it's easier to sell. Like it's easier for me to sit here and say, okay, I'll sell maybe Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry's a different beast. He's, you know, 96 carries over the last three games is, is crazy. But like Aaron Jones, Mark Ingram, Chris Carson, these are guys that in dynasty leagues, I'd be willing to just flip and sell high. But it's, I guess, you know, if you're playing with sharp people, like you're playing with former uh, major league players who are obviously on the ball and I'm playing in leagues and people are on the ball. It's like, nah, I don't want you. I don't want that. I'm not falling for that, but. Would right. you agree, like Ingram and Chris Carson? Like, these are guys, like, the running backs just have such a short shelf life. I mean, I'm sitting here in my dynasty league and, and one of them, and yeah, I had a great season, but I mean, Todd Gurley's one of my running backs. This time last year, I was love, uh, maybe not this time last year, a few weeks before this time <laughs> last year, I was loving it. This guy was unbelievable, and all of a sudden, it's like, I can't get him off of my roster, right? I tried to trade him halfway through the year for Juju Smith Schuster. I'm like, I see an opportunity here, maybe to buy low on Juju, and, and the Juju owner's not buying it. He's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to running back who's maybe only has a couple years left for for a wide receiver so who are maybe some buy low candidates that you're interested in that you're trying to get with all those offers you're sending yeah so i you know i'm looking young when i'm when i'm looking to buy low i'm looking for young guys who maybe haven't broken out yet um and and from a running back standpoint the guy that really stands out to me and he's still probably two years away but you just mentioned how Mark Ingram is is about to, you know, you got to feel like he's about to hit his cliff. Yeah. I like Justice Hill quite a bit, and he's a dynamic guy out of Oklahoma State. Um, I I think when he has had the opportunity this year, I mean, he's kind of stuck behind Gus Edwards right now, but I don't think anyone sees Gus Edwards as being a no. a season long feature back bell cow back for an NFL team. He's a really good backup, and he he's really good in spurts and in, and spelling guys when they're hurt or when they're um you know banged up a little bit. But Justice Hill is a guy that I think can be a, a, a pretty good lead back um long term. And so I and right now I don't think he'll cost you that much. Like maybe maybe a third round pick. I mean everybody just saw Ingram put up a thousand a thousand yard season. Um, and he's still got two more years left on his deal. So you got to feel like someone who, who might, you know, it may take a second rounder to get him, but I would probably spend it. I'd probably, you know, give up a late second rounder to, to get Justice Hill right now. Um, at wide receiver, there's two guys uh, from this last rookie class that I love. And I, I think the long-term outlook, like it's, it's one of those situations where there wasn't a, a ton of opportunity. There was a little bit of opportunity. Um, injuries derailed both of them. But I, I, it's one of those where I'm just going to trust the talent and what I saw in college and, and what I saw at the combine and what I, you know, the draft capital that was spent on them is Paris Campbell and Nikhil Harry. And, and I don't know what kind of, um, price that you would have to pay right now to get those guys. I, I feel like you'd be able to get Paris Campbell for a, a yeah. high to mid second. Um, Nikhil Harry may cost you a late first, but if you look at the receivers, like he's just as talented as some of the, the top end. I'm not, he's not a Jerry Judy or a CD Lamb. Uh, but, but I like him almost as much as I like Jalen Rager. Um, you know, he, he reminds me a lot. It's actually Tylen Wallace that at Oklahoma State that decided to go back to college for one more year. 
that's who I think Nikhil Harry looks like a lot whenever I watch him play. And that's a guy who was going to be a top, a top three day pick, uh, or the top three round pick, um, in the draft this year had he not torn his ACL. And so he, he's going back another year to college. I think Harry could be kind of that same guy and, and the Patriots spent a first round pick on him. They're going to want to try to make this work. And I think he's going to, especially if Tom Brady leaves, there's a chance that, you know, I've, I've heard rumors of Andy Dalton being there. I've heard rumors of Philip Rivers uh, being the quarterback in New England. Gross. Either one of those guys I think would be great for Nikhil Harry because they both got a lot of juice left in their arm. I, I, I um, think Andy Dalton would be fine in that offense. I'm not so much sold on Philip Rivers, but I, I think Andy Dalton. Nikhil Harry's a good one. It's interesting. But he, you know, he was definitely, looking at all the rookies, like he was, he was definitely a bust in dynasty leagues. I mean, he's, I think on average he had to have been like the second guy taken off the board everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. In most, and I know in mine he was the second in, in every single one. And a lot of people just kind of crapped all over this rookie wide receiver class. But I mean, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Debo, Terry McLaurin, who I was able to get in like the fourth round of a rookie only. Yeah, third draft. or fourth round. Yeah, yep. I mean he was an absolute steal. So I, I like the Harry call, and he started to come on. You know, not totally strong. You look at the game log, only two, three catches here and there, but he made a couple nice grabs, so I like that call as well. Um, I cut you off. Was there another guy that you were just about to talk about? Well, I was just going to go to tight end, and and like I love, 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 love Irv Smith. Love Irv Smith yeah, on me Minnesota. Too. Me too. Um, he's He got an opportunity this year as a second tight end. I mean, it was kind of like Dallas Goddard the year before where Zach Ertz is the established guy there. Kyle Rudolph's the established guy in Minnesota. And, and there wasn't a lot of opportunity for Irv Smith and he still made, you know, had some productive weeks and, and showed himself to be a red zone threat. And I, there's an out in this contract. I know it was a five year deal, but all the money was front loaded in Kyle Rudolph's deal. I think there's a chance that he gets cut or traded this winter. And if, if that happens, Irv Smith could be, and it's not a huge pass heavy offense, but I do think, you know, with, with Stefanski's out of there now, right? So, yeah. There's a chance that they do start shifting slightly more pass heavy with a different OC in there. And if they do, then, then I think Irv Smith, um, becomes a top 12 tight end in 2020. There's a few tight ends that, I mean, Goddard is going to be hard to pull away from anybody. You've seen he's involved yeah. even with Zach Ertz. Uh, Noah Fant's going to be hard to pull away. Mac, Mike Gusecki, I think these are guys that are actually going to continue to trend up. Uh, maybe David Njoku could be had for, for pretty cheap, but I like Irv Smith. I like that call a lot. Uh, you've really noticed him with Adam Thielen wasn't around you, right? He was a threat, certainly, uh, inside the red zone. Speaking of Stefanski, any of the, the Browns, like you could, if, if you wanted, Odell and you wanted Baker like now's the time to get them but do you want yeah. I don't know I mean we just saw Stefanski run a really run heavy offense in Minnesota and maybe that was you know by design maybe that's what Zimmer wanted um but it's he said something about in the press conference about wanting to try to unlock Baker Mayfield but I think it actually spoils you know bodes really well for Nick Chubb um because we we talk about the run heavy offense in Minnesota Give me those carries for Nick Chubb that Dalvin Cook got this year. And oh my goodness. Like that's, I mean, that he's just as talented and, and they've got the same weapons on the outside that the Vikings have. So there's a, there's a chance that he goes out and puts up a top five running back year next year. Outside of that, I, I don't know. Like Jarvis Landry, I, I would probably take at the, at the price just because he seems to have the most secure floor in the history of football for the last five years. Like, yeah. 130 targets and he's not going anywhere. And, and that's, you know, everybody's like, Oh, Odell's there. It'll actually, you know, some people thought it would hurt, hurt Landry from a target perspective. Some thought, Oh, he, you know, he wasn't built to be a number one. So he's, you know, it's actually going to be better for him, you know, going, 
going forward that Odell's there. Bottom line, he's he's still the same guy, and and he's going to get his possession targets, 137 targets, 83 catches, 1174 yards, and six touchdowns this year. Like that's he was a the wide receiver 13 and a half point PPR, and and probably higher than that in in PPR. I'm trying to pull it up real quick, but yeah, number 12 in PPR. So so this is a guy who's he's and he's not that old. He's like 27 maybe, and he it just seems like he's been doing it for a long time, and. Um, that's a guy that I would like. I, I'm basically done with Odell. I realize there's some potential upside there, but people want a, a high price paid because of the name value, and I'm I'm just not prepared to pay it. Yeah, I own Odell in one dynasty league. It's a deeper one. It's there's 18 teams in it, so it's pretty thin. Ooh. Like once you get into you know some injuries with wide receivers, you're in you're in a tough spot. But I like some of my wideouts, like Chris Godwin. It, you know, is obviously pretty solid. A good juju in there as well. So I I sure. would if I'm an and I am an Odell owner. I think I would just get what I could get from him, knowing like what you just said. He's still a big name, and there there are people that still really believe in the talent. The talent is there, but I think if you could get anything solid, like a first, maybe a, a first round pick and a Nikhil Harry, like I don't know, like if that's possible, maybe. I mean, you never know. You know, people like again, you have to flirt with the idea of of what you can get with with Odell. And I agree with you on Jarvis. I mean, he's twenty seven years old. He's 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 pretty underrated. He's a stud. So we'll um. We'll get you and I out of here on this since you're a baseball guy. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the way out on, on the Astros and, and the penalty. Did you think it was fair? Um, was I, if anything, I thought it might have been a little light. And, and, but the reason being, you have a chance to set a precedent here and, and make sure, well, you, you tell an owner or a team somewhere, look, you can get a World Series championship and be in another one, and it might cost you your manager and your GM and a few draft picks, but would you not trade those things for a, a World Series title and a, and a shot at another one? Yeah. Any owner in baseball would trade those things for a shot at, at a World Series title. I, I think I think they should have been harsher on um, – I, I think Lou now is going to have a tough time I getting, think a, I, getting I another job. I don't think he's ever going to get another job. Yeah, because he, you know, he was also involved in the the scandal where they hacked the Cardinals' computer, right. and you know, there's he's got some some issues going on. But but I would have my punishment for AJ Hinch would have been a one year suspension, but also he can never be a manager again. You like he's got to if he's coming back with someone else, some other team or whatever, or even in on this team, it is going to be in a diminished capacity. Whether it's a bench coach, third base coach, whatever, I would never let him manage again. And and then you start setting the precedent of. Well, now a manager scared to, to potentially never be able to do that job again is going to try to make sure this stuff's not happening on his team. And this stuff was like, it wouldn't surprise me if this was going on in other locker rooms. And, and that at some point when, you know, especially like when the Apple Watch thing happened with the Red Sox or whatever, I, I think there were GMs around baseball. And I know, I know one specifically, I was not there um, when it happened, but I heard later that uh, one GM went to, went down to the manager's office and talked to the team and said, cut it out. This stops right now. We're not doing this anymore because they don't want that stain on them. They don't want the potential punishment down the road. And it, it looks bad on them, even if they're not, I mean, there's a, I don't, I didn't see the details of the, the Astros deal. There's a chance Luna had no idea this was going on because a lot of GMs aren't even in the locker room and, and dealing with this stuff, especially during a game. Um, that being said, you know, he's looked at as complicit because he's, he's kind of responsible for everybody. And with that being the case, you know, he's going to be the fall guy. 
Um, but I would have went, I would have went harder. I would have went a way bigger fine, which someone told me the, the $5 million is a max fine. And if, if I was MLB, I would have levied a, a bigger fine and then tried to, try to push the, you know, push the envelope and get an arbitrator on my side on that one. Um, but I would have went, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of like a $50 million fine and, and really try to slam it down on these guys where like owners start stepping in and say, look, this, you know, knock this off. At this point, it's not worth it because anything we just got from winning that, that world series is I, I just had to pay back in, you know, to MLB into a, into a fine pot. And I, I would have just went, I would have went really severe. The draft picks will hurt them a little bit, but they've got such a, a good young core based player a group of players that um, I don't, I don't think that's a, a huge deal to that organization right now, especially because they're picking so late each year. I thought it was weak. I thought it was weak too. I mean, the 5 million is nothing. Um, so what you fired AJ Hinch, like, or AJ Hinch is gone for a year. What like, Whatever. I, I think he was going to get fired anyways with everything that's just happened. Even if he got, you know, just half a season, I feel like the Astros were just going to can him just because to try to kind of save face a little bit. I thought, you know, some players would, I know nobody really wanted to speak up, but it, you know, all the reports was player driven. I thought maybe some players would, would suffer a penalty. I don't know if you, how you can single them out or not, but, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the world, the world series and the AL MVP from, Ho- or the, yeah, the MVP from Jose Altuve in 2017, it all seems a little tainted to me. So, and Alex Cora is gone as well. So it's, it's not a good look for baseball, but I thought they could have been a little bit harsher. I thought they could have set a precedent, like you said. Yeah. And, it, and it's possible, you know, every time something like this comes up, the penalties continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's possible, you know, it, the next time that, you know, something happens, cause there will be a next time with something, some team's going to try to sneak something in. Yeah. And it took, I mean, it basically, this thing got blown open by a, a player that was no longer there speaking out about it. Flyers. And, and that's the only reason anybody even said anything. Like, I guarantee, guarantee this was going on in other clubhouses. And it was also, you know, people use video all the time to steal signs, but it's just the fact that they were doing it during the game. But there's nothing wrong with it whenever you're sitting there watching a game on TV and you're trying to sit there and pick the guy on second. Right. It, well, a lot of pitchers are creatures of habit. They they will use the same sign set game after game after game. And that was one thing that, like, if we had just played a team, you know, in, you know, uh, uh, on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday series, and then we played them again like the next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the other park, I changed my sign set if I had just pitched against them with the runner on second because they had just seen it. And, and I, one of the biggest compliments that it was, you know, uh, that I got in my career that I, it was not said directly to me. It was said to one of my teammates, but one time Evan Longoria was standing on second base when I came into a game and he asked our, our shortstop, you know, dude, like his sign set, we're, we've been trying to pick his sign set for years and we can't figure it out. And I was like, yes. Like, I love the fact, number one, that they were trying, um, you know, not, you know, during the game, whatever, not like, not like they were using video during the game, but it, it just told me they were looking at video, trying to, trying to figure out what I was doing and they could not figure it out. And that told me that my sign set was really good because I used variations of the same thing all throughout my career, but I just made a few modifications to it here and there. And it was enough to keep teams, you know, off of my pitches. Nice. I love that. I loved hearing that. That's great. I'm glad I brought this so, up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, it happens all the time in baseball, but man, AJ Hinch just, he just looks so bad with that video surfacing and the Yankees calling him out and stuff. And, you know, he's like, it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous and all that. But of course, when you, yeah. And Trevor Bauer has been all over Trevor social Bauer. media the last couple of days trying to feel vindicated and letting other people I've help vindicate that him. Bill and- Collins video like a thousand times, the bang, 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 um, that mashup. Did you see that one? 
that he had. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was I, for me. I like fantastic. Bauer's got his own. Is, I mean, that's just that's just Bauer. Like he's yeah, he's like the guy that's kind of like the the humble brag guy. Like I'm I'm gonna do this subtly, but also yeah. like make sure I get my point across. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think the Yankees affiliate has gotten something. I think like some kind of trash can giveaway or something when when the Astros affiliate comes to town. So yeah, teams are gonna have some fun with it. Um, maybe like a little ace base. Uh, I saw the sign or whatever that song is when <laughs> nice. it was coming to other opposing parks. You never know. But all right, at Brad Ziegler, at Chris Meany. Any questions, you guys can always hit us up on Twitter. Enjoy Championship Weekend. Hopefully you win some money in your pools. And you just overall just enjoy the football. Jake will be back on Monday, and that's what we'll talk to you next time.